beginning in verse 23. And they should have it up there for you to follow along. Make sure I'm reading it right, not leaving anything out. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. One more portion. John chapter 21. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. When he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Peter was just a perfect example of a New Testament Christian. Amen. He's, he gets the command of God and he's looking around at everybody else. What about them? What about them? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Verse 23 for our text in, verse, in uh, Luke 9. He saith to them, he saith to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I want to preach to you with God's help and your help this morning on a message entitled, What Does It Mean to Love Jesus? What does it mean to love Jesus? Let us pray. Reverend Schaefer, sir, would you please pray over our message of messenger? Amen. I have a confession to make. Ah, preacher, we knew. <laughs> we know you. I have a pet peeve. I don't like it when people say they love the Lord and they don't live like it. 
They have bumper stickers that say, I love Jesus. And then another one next to it says, blankety blank all the cops. <laughs> right? And you're like, yeah, I don't think he knows what loving Jesus is about. Someone will say, well, I love Jesus, but you know they're living in adultery or getting drunk, shaking their booty at the club on Saturday night. And so I don't think I'm alone in this. Matter of fact, Jesus began to ask the question, and in him asking the question, he seems to define what love meant. He asked Simon, which is Peter, he said, Simon, do you love me? And Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. Now, the first thing that we need to have in a loving relationship are words. There was a man married to his wife, I think 45 years, whatever it was, it was a long time. And she came to him and said, hey, listen, I need to know, do you love me? And he said, when we got married 45 years ago, didn't I tell you I loved you? She said, well, yes. He said, well, if it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> now, we know that's not a healthy thing. Even if somebody tells us they love us, we need to hear it on a regular basis. Amen? It's not good enough for your husband to say, I love you, and then not say anything about it for the next 20 years because, well, your own doubts may come in. The insufficiencies of our dedication to our spouse may enter in. There needs to be a constant and consistent reaffirmation, honey, I love you. On your way out the door, I love you. Before they go on a trip, I love you. Because you don't know that may be their last trip. That may, you may have a stroke. You don't want your last words to, to be, take out the trash, you lazy bum. You need it to be, take out the trash, you lazy bum. I love you. <laughs> there needs to be words. And so Jesus was asking Simon, Simon, do you love me? Simon used words. Lord, you know that I love you. Now, we sang that song this morning. Praise is what I do. You know what praise is? Praise is using words to tell God we love him. Praise is, is expressing what's on the inside verbally to God on the outside. Now, you say, well, preacher, I'm just not that kind of a person. Now, come on now. I'm not sure if you're a Chiefs fan, but I know that they won yesterday. And I told uh, the brother, one brother I knew was a Chiefs fan, I said, well, all them Chiefs fans are happy today. And I don't know, but perhaps if you were watching the game or you heard about it or you saw the score and uh, your Patrick Mahomes made the touchdown, you're like, yes! Don't tell me you're not emotional when your team scores. I read an article recently, I'm not sure, I think somebody won it. There was a billion dollar, now Christians don't play the lottery, okay? If you do, pay your tithe. But there was a billion dollar, <laughs> I'm teasing. I don't know if we, <laughs> Christians don't pay the lottery. <laughs> you look better when you're smiling. You know, you can have church, you can smile on Sunday morning, it's all right. 
But I read there was a billion-dollar lottery out there. The, I, I, somebody, whoever won was going to win over a billion dollars. And I think, I'm not sure, I'm not, I don't buy them and I don't follow, but I think somebody won it. Now, of course, you don't buy lottery tickets, but if somebody gave you one for a birthday present and then you happen to find out that you won a billion dollars, would you be like, yeah, baby. <laughs> I think there would probably be some more emotion than that. Amen? You'd be like, is this real? Are you kidding me? If you never danced before, you'd start a dancing. Amen? If you don't know a dance, you'd invent a dance. Amen? I mean, there would be some excitement if Jeff Bezos said, you know, I was just thinking, I put my finger in the phone book, and, and I pulled out your name, I wanted to give you a brand new mansion. You'd be like, really? Yes, really. I saw this, this little clip. It was, a, it was a, a, a daughter who had bought a brand new, I think I told you about, a brand new Harley Davidson for her father. And they, she took him to the motorcycle place, and, and they were there, and dad just thought they were kind of looking around. But she pulled out the keys and she gave it to him. And he's like looking around to see if there's hidden cameras somewhere. And he said, no, no, no. And they kept on, no, dad, this is yours. He said, I don't believe you. No, dad, this is yours. I want to see the paperwork. The salesman was saying, no, they bought it for you. This is yours. It's paid. It's yours. And they brought the paperwork out. And he was looking at it. And he was scratching his head trying to, to is it Really? And finally he began to understand, and then the tears began to come, and, and he was hugging his daughter. Why? Because there was love expressed there, and so he was showing it back. Now, we can't say we love God and not ever express it. Part of our love has to be expressed. It has to be expressed for God. It has to be expressed for us. You can't keep it bottled up. And here's the other thing. It, it should be expressed for others. Because when we come to church and people see you lifting up your hands and worshiping God, and maybe they see a tear coming down your cheek, and they say, man, I know she's been going through it. I know they've had some battles. I know they've been fighting some things. And they're still praising God. God must be real. God must be powerful. And because we express our love in words, in praise to God, it means something to God, to us, and to others. So don't tell me you love God if you never express it. If you never get alone in a prayer meeting and say, Jesus, I love you. Now, I understand sometimes you may be in that prayer meeting and say, Jesus, I love you. And at the same time feel like, man, but my life is so little in comparison to what you've done for me. God, I feel so, so bad sometimes because you've been so kind and so good. But still, you got to tell them, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Now, love must be expressed verbally. But Jesus did not end there, did he? He went on. He asked Simon Peter the question, lovest thou me? Simon said, Lord, you know I love you. And then he said this, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. So then we find words are important. They're necessary. That's the first step. But it must go on to actions. And I want you to notice something. Where were these actions, um, where were they aimed? Others. Amen? Others. Love, unexpressed, you have to question whether it's love at all. And love without actions, you really wonder, 
is it love at all? You know, if you say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and she said, well, put the dirty clothes in the hamper, and you throw them right next to it, amen? I love you, I love you, I love you, and he says, don't cook with onions, but you put onions in every dish every time you cook, amen? That love, the actions don't equal to what you're saying. So words are important. We must love God. There must be. Matter of fact, look at what the Bible said. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So even our initial coming to Christ, it's essential that we confess it with our mouth. Jesus, I love you. I surrender my life to you. I give you my life. That's good. But the next step must include service. And that service almost always is to others. Feed my sheep. If it was serving ourselves, that would be easy. Amen? Let me go. I'm gonna, now I'm going to go serve in the kitchen. Make myself lunch. That's not serving. You follow? I'm going to serve. I'm going to pick myself up and take myself to Best Buy. You're not serving. You still with me? Service to mean something, it must cost us something. It must cost us our time. It must cost us our energy. It must cost us our effort. It's got to, there's got to be a price to it. If I give you something left over, it's not very much of a gift, is it? Hey, here was something. It was in my garage. I wasn't using it anyhow. Uh, I was going to throw it away, but I thought you might like it. Now, maybe it's important to them and maybe it will be a blessing to them, but it didn't cost you much. It's not that much of a gift. But when we sacrifice... Hey, listen, I was going to use this myself, but instead of me using it, I heard that you had a need. And so I'm going to take this away from me, which I could use and I need, and I'm going to give it to you. Because there is a love on the inside. Jesus showed me how to do this. And because he laid down his life and showed me how to live for others, I want to lay down my life and live for you. Now that sounds great, and that sounds magical, and that sounds great, but it works out in the day-to-day application of our life. My wife shows me that she loves me, because oftentimes, when there's one piece of, of cake left, she's not hungry. Or she brings home leftovers, and we might tease, and she writes, Mom, on the leftover box. But she'll give it to me. Not that I'm always wanting it. But what I'm saying is she prefers me. That's an, and that's a day-to-day act of love. And there's times that sometimes she's like, man, my back hurts. And the last thing in the world I want to do at that moment is to give a back rub. Amen. But because that's my wife, I have to say, all right, I love her. I'm going to prefer what she needs instead of what I want to do. And now the day-to-day application, the living out of that love, it's not, it's not always magical and big and mystical. And that's why sometimes people miss it. Because it's in the little things that we, we, we prefer our wife or we prefer our brother, we prefer our sister. When you wanted to stay in bed an extra 30 minutes, but instead you got up early so you could go and pick somebody up and get them to church. 
when you didn't really want to go all the way over there, but you did because you love God and you love that person. I'm expressing that love by going and picking them up. Or I want to go to sleep, but instead I know my sister's going through a battle and she's facing a problem. And so I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray, God, help my sister. And I'm going to pray until I have peace that God's done something. That's expressing our love through service to others. So Jesus said love. What does it mean to love Jesus? We got to love him in words. We got to love him in service. But then Jesus went further. Now I'll put this in here real quick. And many of you maybe if you've been around church you know it. In English the word that Jesus uses to Peter is love. But in the Greek word there are different words that are translated into the same English word love. There are three different, there's many different loves, but there are three different loves. There's filio, which we get Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love. That's a brotherly love. That's like bros. Hey, we'll, hey I love you, bro. That's a, a brotherly love. There's eros. It's an erotic love, you know, a husband-wife type love. Then there's agape. That's a divine love, a love that God shows. And so at the beginning, God is asking Peter, he said, do you agape me? Do you have this divine love? He says, Lord, you know that I agape you. The second time he asked him, Peter, do you agape me? Do you have this special kind of divine love that you can only do because I'm in you? And he said, Lord, you know I agape you. And of course, Jesus is backing it up. If you do, then serve. If you do, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And then at the third time, Jesus changes the word. And it's as if he's saying, Peter, do you Filio love me? Do you even have brotherly love? And that's why Peter's so grieved. He said, Lord, I told you I had this divine love for you. And now you're questioning, do I even have a brotherly love for you? And you see the, the emotion, the intensity. Peter's grieved. Because Jesus is saying, do you even have that type of love? You know, the type of love that would prefer a brother or a sister. You can sit there, even though I always sit there. I'm not going to get up and kick you out of your church. You can have the last donut downstairs. Amen. Hopefully somebody did that this morning. I don't usually eat donuts in the morning, try to save them for somebody else. But come Monday morning, if they're still in the fridge, sometimes I, every now and then I see one in there. Been a long time, been a long time, probably months and months. So we must show love in words, we must show love in action, but then Jesus took it further. And he said this. He said, I say unto you, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. You went where you wanted to. When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. You are going to die. Stretch forth your hands. Peter was crucified just like Jesus. Matter of fact, tradition says Peter was crucified upside down. Because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Savior. Jesus was telling me ahead of time, if you love me, you need to express it with your words. You need to show it by serving others. And finally, you're going to have to show it by laying down your life. It was Martin Luther who said, if you've, got, if you've got nothing worth dying for, you've got nothing worth living for. If you've got nothing worth dying for, you've got nothing worth living for. 
And it was Richard Warmbrand, who was a, a martyr, who said, dying for something important, I'm sorry, um, he said, we only truly believe the things that we are willing to die for. We only truly believe the things that we are willing to die for. You know why we can believe the Bible? Check this out. Here I go. We can believe the Bible because people died for it. Now, if the disciples were there with Jesus at the beginning, Sister Moss, can you believe this? If they were there at the beginning and they saw everything that was going on, and then afterwards, while they were alive, people wrote what happened, and people were being persecuted for it, and they had to back it up. Some of them put their lives on the line, meaning if they backed it up, they were going to be killed. You don't, you don't die for something that's a lie. Do you follow? You're not willing to, to perpetrate a cult or, or a false belief at the cost of your life. They were dying because they knew it's true. He's real. He's God. That's why these words are true. That's why you can have faith in the Bible. Because people were willing to die for it. Now, it should not, it has not, it, it, we've been reading in our soul winning meetings. Every Saturday we've got soul winning. We've been sharing stories. Because today, in our time, in our time, now, people are being killed for Christianity. They're being martyred. They're being persecuted. Their houses are being burned. Their churches are being destroyed. And, and all across America... There are people that are being uh, put out of their communities and, and considered dead by their family. There are people that are being beaten. There are people that are still dying for the cause of Christ. Some Muslims who came to faith in Christ, once they announce that they're Christians, immediately their family cuts them off. Immediately they face persecution. Many times they lose their job, pushed out of the society, beaten. There are people that die daily. So Jesus was saying to him, you got to show love with your words. You got to show love with your actions. And listen, you've got to be willing to die for me. You see, that's where it really changes, doesn't it? Some people are willing to come to church for him. If there's nice weather. If it's not raining. If I don't have something better to do. If I'm not in pain. But Jesus gave himself for us in the midst of the most excruciating pain. Hey, real quick, I'm almost done. Did you know the very word excruciating comes from the word ex, cruciate, out of the cross? When Jesus was crucified and they, they nailed his hands and nailed his feet and they, they scourged him and had him carry that wood. And then they spit upon him and plucked his beard and pierced his side. And the Bible said that he hung there and, and people looked at him and they were, they were astonished. They had to look away. And that, that pain, that excruciating pain comes from out of the cross. Matter of fact, some of you know this. The way they pinned their and, and nailed their feet down and they stretched their hands out. And so for them to get a breath, they had to push up to breathe in. And so when they wanted to kill somebody that was on the cross, they would break their legs so they could no longer push up. And they would actually suffocate a long, drawn-out, tortured death. And why did Jesus do that? To pay for my sins? To pay for your sins? Why should we love him? Because he died for you. Why should we live for him? Because he died for you. I'm here to tell you the most 
fulfilling life is a life given to Jesus. Hey, man, take your life. Go ahead. Have all the sex you want. Do all the drugs. Get, all, get as drunk as you want. Go to the, gam- uh, the, the, the casino. Gamble it all up. Uh, get rich. Do all those things. That won't even compare to what it's like when you know my heart's right. If I die, I'm going to heaven. Because you got to understand, if you're not born again, if you haven't been saved, when you die and you breathe your last breath, you're going to go to a hell that burns. And there are people that are there that have been burning for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they're gnashing their teeth and they're crying. And it's a darkness and there's an excruciating pain. The Bible said the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. God doesn't want that. He didn't create hell for mankind. He created it for the angels. But mankind refuses to accept accept Christ. And so the only place that God can do, can allow them to go. He can't let that unsaved man go to heaven and bring their filth up there. And so he's got to allow them to go to hell. Not because he wants them there. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. But you've got to make the choice. I wish I could grab you and bring you to an altar. But that won't save you. It's got to come from your heart. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Listen, I shared on Thursday night. I'm almost done. I shared on Thursday night. Most people's frustration is because they're living their life expecting others to do for them. To love them. To, to, do, to be kind to them. But Christianity should cure you of that. Because we are now to lay down our lives and to give ourselves to others. And when you're serving others, you find a fulfillment and a joy and a happiness. I'm doing what God wants me to do. Come on, how many of you, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I promise. How many of you took a day and you said, well, I'm not going to go to church, I'm not going to go, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take care of some things of, of myself. And afterwards you were just like, eh, eh. And there are other times you said, man, I'm going to go soul winning, I'm going to go to church. And you went there and it seemed like God just kind of, Helps you get things done because you put them first. You put them first. So let me ask you. Do you love the Lord? You see, I thought if I asked you that at the beginning, everybody would say yes. But maybe if we defined it a little bit, you could look at your life. Do you show it in words and praise? Do you show it in, in service to others? Have you laid down your life to him? Musicians, get ready. It happened during the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Persian army ruled the land with an iron fist. He maintained the king's authority and the position with ease. But there was one guy, a rebel, who roamed the ground. He fought to keep his autonomy, and the king was exasperated by him and his army. His name was Kagulog. Kagulog. A mighty warrior. One day the king put together a band of men, captured him to bring him to justice. They captured not only Cagular, but they got his wife and his children. The king brought Cagular in and began to talk to him. Cyrus, the king, looked at the rebel with contempt. He said, Cagular, if I were to spare your life, what would you do? Without pause, Cagular answered, King, I would serve you the rest of my days. The king thought about it. 
What would you do if I spared the life of your wife? The king asked him, Tagular answered, Your majesty, if you spared my wife, if you spared my wife, I would die for you. The king was so taken by this response that his heart softened towards the man. He released Cagular and his family. More than that, he made an alliance with him, putting him in charge of his troops along the southern border. Now, later that night, Cagular, his wife, his family were all talking. And Cagular was saying to his wife, did you see that marble and solid gold throne that Cyrus sat on? And his wife looked at him with wonder. I didn't see any of that. I saw only the face of the man who said he would die for me. Is there any truer measure of love than that? He said, I would die to spare his wife. Jesus did die for us. And now he calls us to lay down our lives for others. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. Reverend's going to come and give the altar call.